Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. And I know each and every week I tell you I have an awesome episode lined up, but this is truly a stacked episode. Today, I'm talking with Dean Thomas, head coach of Tyrone Woodley, ahead of his upcoming title fight. In addition to that, I'm talking about to Macy Chison, who fights this weekend against Gina Mazzani. And I'm talking to... The Austrian wonder boy, Ismail Nardiev, fresh off of his upset victory over Michelle Prezerich and all about his training leading up to that fight. Plus, we're going to give you guys our regular news around the horn with the fastest fight news, plus our combat countdown, and of course, a breakdown of that UFC 235 card. It is a stacked episode. You're not going to want to miss one minute of it. And before you get to any of that, of course, let me mention to you that this episode is brought to you by ADK Fightwear. ADK Fightwear is a family-owned business nestled in the Adirondack Mountains of New York that brings you high-quality grappling gear at low, low prices. That's right. You can get rash guards at ADK Fightwear for just 25 bucks. That's right. Where else are you going to get a high-quality rash guard that lasts? I've had one myself for months. And listen, this thing doesn't pill. It doesn't fade. The the stitches are all exactly the, day, the way they were the day I got them. These things are high quality. You're going to get them for 25 bucks, and you can get them even cheaper if you go to adkfightwear.com right now and use promo code TURTLE, T-U-R-T-L-E, all lowercase. You do that, you're going to get an extra 20% off. So head on over there now. ADK Fightwear brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and today I have the pleasure of speaking to head coach extraordinaire Dean Thomas, head coach of Tyrone Woodley, as you know from this week, Jillian Robertson, who you know from last week, and so many more you probably know. Uh, Dean, we're right in the thick of things in fight week for Woodley here. Give us a little bit of insight. How's the champ looking leading up to this one? He's good, man. We just... um just ready to, to start cutting weight this week and then uh and get the fight over with you know it's uh you know these are exciting times because you know the title defense but uh you know we, it's just another day at the office we just ready to get it on and just do what we do best and, and the weight seems to be coming off well i'm sorry what was that i said and the weight seems to be coming off easily Yes, yes, yes. I mean, you know, with him, like, he sweats so much, man. I never met a human being who sweats as much as he does. So it's just a matter of just putting the time in and just following the routine and, and the weight be off. Yeah, and and so I kind of wanted to mention that, too, because the knock on Tyrone is, is usually that his cardio is not good, which I, I think is personally crazy. How do you react to when people ask you questions about things like that? It has nothing. I mean, a lot of people say that because, you know, he kind of paces himself in fights. But when you have the power that he does, when you can end the fight at any given time, is you can do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, the reason why they say that is because they try to compare him to, like, you know, guys who are just busy, busy, busy and being really active all the time. And he doesn't fight that way. And he doesn't need to fight that way because he can end the fight at any given time with one big punch. So, um, I don't know, the knock on seems kind of ridiculous to me, even though he's fought, you know, he's fought five rounders before with no trouble. And, you know, when I watch him train, he trains like an animal and cardio will never be an issue. Yeah. And you, you sort of said the knock on him too, is that he isn't that like constant action to kind of fight it. Cause he doesn't need to be, and he doesn't want to be. Do you think that that's somehow how he gets lost in this talk about, you know, best pound for pound fighter in the world? Cause he's being, you know, most of the top guys in his division. Yeah, it's just, you know, like, obviously, you know, when I think some oftentimes in fights is mistake entertainment for uh, for ability. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when fighters are very entertaining, we look at that and go, oh, well, he's he's a good fighter. Some fighters are just entertaining. They may not be great. And, you know, Tyron doesn't go out there to try to entertain anybody in fights. He goes out there to win mm-hmm. and he goes out there to hurt people. And. You know, in the process, he may not be as entertaining as some guys. He's not going to go out there and do a bunch of and make a bunch of moves just to entertain the crowd and put himself in, put himself in harm's way just to entertain the crowd. He's going to go out there and win. 
And I think that's the goal in, in this next couple of fights is just to show that he's the best. It's not necessarily to entertain. If you're entertained, then that's just, you know, more power to you. But the goal is to really just annihilate the competition. And and so let's talk about the the competition coming up because you got Kamara Usman, who is obviously a, a whole different set of problems than most of his most previous opponents. I mean, he's not like Wonder Boy. He's not like Demian Maya. He's very different. What what do you see as the thing that Usman does best? You know, I've always liked Usman. You know, I've you know been following Usman since he won the Ultimate Fighter twenty one. You know, we I had to scout him back then and. One thing I like about Usman is he's always growing. He's always getting better. Um, he comes with a you know a, a strong skill set. He's a good wrestler. He's smart. You know he he's he does his he does his thing. You got to give him credit for that. Um, but I just don't think he's as good as Tyrant in any area. So um, he kind of reminds me of a young Tyrant in a sense that you know he's you know he's you know always trying to you know evolve as a fighter and learn new tricks as a fighter. You know, Usman will tell you that he's the new breed of Tyron, and but the way I see it, I think he's the old version of Tyron still. Um, and I think this weekend, you know, is when we get to prove it. You know, I, I, Usman has been on the radar for a while. You know, in my eye, maybe not in Tyron's eye, but in my eye, because I've always appreciated his skill set. So I've always had my eye on him, and I've always been looking at at what he's done and his accomplishments. But I think this is the um, this weekend we're going to prove that you know Tyron is head and shoulders above the rest of the competition. I, I like that 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 comparison that he does seem a little bit like a younger Tyrone Woodley. Uh, I, you mentioned in there too that you you're looking ahead at the next couple of fights showing this for Tyrone Woodley, and, and a lot was said about him mm-hmm. possibly fighting Colby Covington for this fight. Uh, do you think that Colby Covington was more deserving of this fight, or do you think the fight went to the right tighter challenger? No, I thought Colby deserved the fight first. He spent two years roasting Tyron and two years picking at him and two years, you know, trying to get this fight. And I thought that those efforts went unnoticed to the UFC. You know, I, th- I thought Colby deserved this fight. Colby should have been in this position to get this fight. But, um, you know, for whatever reason, it didn't happen. Yeah, but we can't complain about that. We can't, you know, there's no one to go to and talk to about it. We just got to fight who they put in front of us. And Usman happens to be the guy. He's going to get it first, but then, you know, hopefully Colby gets it next. So as long as Colby stays healthy, he'll be the next in line to get his butt whipped. <laughs> I like that. So uh, obviously that, that sort of answers my question about whether or not you see him as the next challenger. I did want to ask too, because obviously Tyrone does a, a bunch of work with you at ATT. Colby Covington also training at ATT. How does that work? I, I know it's a big gym and maybe their paths don't cross as much as at a smaller gym, but, but how does that work uh, as far as like coaching and, and things like that? It's so big that you can kind of, like, there's enough space where you can get your work in and not run into the next guy. Now, Colby comes in at his own times. You know, Colby will come in, you know, when practice, you know, is over, and he'll come in and work with his people and do his thing. Um, but to be honest with you, that wouldn't even matter anyway because, you know, Tyron doesn't come around often. Anyway, he's he's got his own American Top Team gym in St. Louis, so he doesn't come around to the headquarters much uh, these days he every so often he'll stop by but he doesn't come around much but um even still you know we're a professional gym and everybody's professional and cordial and we understand it what's at stake and we understand that some guys might have to fight each other you know we had that situation with uh will brooks and rashid megamedov mm-hmm. and they had to fight each other and then rashid had to fight natan schultz uh in the finals of the pfl and it was kind of awkward at times because we were sitting outside the off off the mat waiting for Natan Schultz to finish his training session, and then we'd go on and train right afterwards. But, you know, as professionals, you understand it. This game is about making money. It's not about, you know, it's, it's not about anything other than just making money and securing a future for yourself. So we're professionals, and we do what we got to do. Yeah, and, and I, I like that you mentioned that, too, that it's all about making money and it's all about hype, and you mentioned that, that – Colby did a whole bunch to hype up that fight with Tyrone. Do you see that mostly as all of what Colby was doing, that it's mostly hype and it's not hate-filled in any way? I mean, there were times where... See, I don't think Colby was being hate-filled, but at the same time, like, what he did, some things were kind of irresponsible Mm -hmm. because he kind of opened up the doors for some hate-filled people to take it as such. 
You know, so some things that he did were, you know, they were borderline, you know, he kind of crossed the line at times with, with some of the things that he said. And, you know, and some people could look at that and go, yeah, this is, you know, he's saying some hateful stuff. But at the end of the day, like he said what he said, and it was kind of irresponsible. But it got him where it got him to the position where he could fight for a title. Mm-hmm. And with that being said, too, is he still won the fights that he needed to win. So it wasn't that he was just talking. He was talking and winning. Mm-hmm. So when I say he put himself in the position to fight for the title, he still won those fights. So you can't, you can't knock the man. I mean, he did everything he needed to do to get to that position. Absolutely. Now I want to talk to you about one other fight on the card too, because I, I know, you know, there's, there's sort of some, some ties to, you know, this Woodley uh, and American top team too, with Ben Askren fighting Robbie Lawler on the main card of this pay-per-view. What are your thoughts on a fight that, you know, is in Tyrone Woodley's division, is, you know, a guy who's trained at ATT and, you know, one of Tyrone Woodley's friends in Ben Askren. How do you see this fight going down? Oh, I love this matchup. I mean, to me, it kind of reminds me of the Khabib-Connor matchup where it's, you know, it's not going to be close. You know, it's going to be one-sided either way, and that's the way I see it. I mean, you know, Robbie has always been a dangerous fighter. He's a dangerous opponent for anybody, and on any given night, he's so powerful that he could knock anybody out. And, you know, he could knock Ben Askren out, and that's that's the reality of it. But at the same time, Ben Askren is such a dominant grappler, such a dominant wrestler. I've never seen anybody do some of the things that he does in the gym, and I feel as though if Ben gets his hands on on Robbie, that it could be a long night for Robbie. So, like, one one way or the other, it's going to be a lopsided fight. I like that comparison a lot. Now, I, before we uh, before we let you go, I, I did want to give a little bit of attention to Jillian Robertson, who I, I know has, has shouted you out a bunch of times for her grappling ability. She looked stellar again this past weekend at Prague. Uh, what sort of makes her such a difficult puzzle for other fighters on the ground? You know, we try to do things differently, you know, between the way we train. We try to train differently and find holes in opponents using her skill sets and her. So that, like, I, I, I put it like this. I feel like even if she fights a better grappler, she still has a chance to win the way we train. And she's just such a determined worker. Like, I don't have anybody who works as diligently and deliberately as she does. None of my fighters work that way. Because she realizes that, you know, she's not the greatest athlete in the world and she doesn't have, you know, she doesn't come from like, you know, this athletic background. I don't think she's even played a sport in school. And she's, so she's not an athlete. She's just a, 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 a fighter that just loves to work and loves to win. And um, I see her giving problems to anybody in the, in the division. Absolutely. And, and now you sort of answered this question in, in that question, but I, I usually like to ask coaches, you know, you train a whole bunch of people. Is there a, a fighter like that who you are particularly proud of your work with somebody like Robertson, who you feel like you've gotten so much out of, you know, maybe not the most athletic background or maybe not, you know, a wrestling background or a boxing background, somebody you feel like you've gotten the most out of. I would, I, yeah, honestly, I think it's her. I mean, like I said, she's, she walked into my gym as, you know, she was 15 or 16 years old just to do the women's kickboxing class to get in shape. You know, like she was just, you know, she was like a veterinarian student in high school. Like she wanted to be a vet and she walked in to, to do women's kickboxing. And next thing you know, she, she started doing jujitsu and she liked it and she started fighting. And next thing you know, she's, she's here. I mean, she's in the UFC, but she's so determined and she doesn't let anything get in her way. I mean, she really went out there. I told her, like, when they approached me with this fight against uh, Veronica Macedo, um, I was in camp with Tyron and I told her, I can't go to her fight. And I was like, I don't, you know, I don't even know if I can train you. And she said, all right, well, what do I need to do? And she said, and I said, well, I'm in Milwaukee. So she flew herself to Milwaukee, got an Airbnb. She shared an Airbnb with Shorty Torres uh, for two weeks. And she trained with me when I couldn't train with Tyron. And she went out to the fight and she, and I couldn't go with her. And she went and she took one of her training partners from back home. So, I mean, and even when she fought in London or not London, but in Liverpool against uh, Molly McCann, like she got there late because her flights got messed up and none of that bothered her. Like she's just, she's so determined to fight and win that she doesn't let anything bother her. She's like, 
the opposite of what I get from most fighters who, who tend to be needy. And, yeah, they, a lot of fighters tend to be needy, but she's not that way. She, all she just cares about is training and fighting. I love that. Now, while I'd like to sit here and pick your brain about a whole lot of fighters here, I do want to return to, before I let you go, uh, you know, sort of what brought us to the dance here, which is the Tyrone Woodley title fight. Do you have a prediction for how this one ends with Usman? It's tough to say, you know, um, we worked a lot of different things because, you know, we always want to see Tyron evolve and to grow as a fighter. And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you know, he's just a guy with a big right hand. And we know that's not true. So, you know, I think it's a matter of, you know, if the fight goes longer, we'll see Tyron do a lot of different things. But, I mean, Tyron does have the ability to knock anybody out, you know, with one shot. You know, I think Usman... We'll be prepared for that. So I think we're going to see Tyron do a couple different things, but I don't see Usman getting past the third round, to be honest with you. Awesome. Well, we're certainly looking forward to it. Uh, Dean, we're out of time now, but we can't thank you enough for the time. This was absolutely awesome to be able to pick your brain. Uh, Once again, this is Dean Thomas, head coach extraordinaire of Tyron Woodley, Jillian Robertson, and oh so many more. Dean, thanks again. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. This is Daniel Gumby Freeland from Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com, and today I have the pleasure of speaking to Ismail Nardiev, fresh off of his victory over Michelle Prezeris at UFC in Prague. Ismail, I wanted to ask you, you took this fight on two weeks' notice. Was there any hesitation in taking a fight on such short notice, or was it as soon as you saw the name UFC on the contract, the answer was definitely yes? Uh, yes, the, the answer, um, hello, first of all. Um, thank you for the interview. Uh, yes, of course. My my first first um, answer was yes. Of course, doesn't matter who. <laughs> I just wanted fight. It, so it didn't matter who you were fighting too, because Michelle Prezerish is a guy who was on a huge win streak. So uh, you had no hesitation in taking a fight with him. No, it, that that was uh, that more motivated me, you know. It motivated me because I know he, uh, I knew he has a good name and and eight win streaks and he's a top twenty ranked in UFC welterweight. So I knew that's a good chance for me, a uh, good chance for me, and and I took it. You know, I used the the chance. <laughs> yeah, and you certainly did use the chance. You looked phenomenal in there. Now, some would say that when you don't have a full <laughs> training you. camp, you don't feel a hundred percent. Did you feel a hundred percent in there? Was that the best of uh, Ishmael Nardiev as we could see? No, no, no. <laughs> that was not 100%. It was maybe 50%. <laughs> That's 50% of what we could see. So what what particularly didn't feel good while you were in there? You know, did you feel less sharp? Did you feel too easily taken down? What what was the the thing that that felt least comfortable? Uh can you, can can you say again, please? Yeah, d- so what part of you didn't feel 100% in there? Was it your energy? Did you feel like you were mm. getting taken down too mm. easy? Did you not feel strong? Yeah, I'm 100% 100% was my mental mm-hmm. and and the energy I felt, you know, I felt really really good. I was so motivated. Um that was my 100%, but everything else it was like Fifteen percent, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the phys- the physical aspect was tough. Well, and, and that actually brings me to my next question. So physically, you say you feel fifty percent, but you got Michelle Prezerish on top of you, who is a big, heavy, strong, muscly guy. Two or three times, you bumped and rolled him over with what seemed like very little effort. What part of his pressure made that look so easy for you? How were you able to roll over? You know, one of the strongest guys at welterweight. Um, I don't know, man. Um, I'm just too strong. I think he didn't expect, you know, I think he didn't expect uh, the grappling and the strong wrestling of me because of my fight with another Brazilian guy for um, two years before. And I wasn't prepared for this fight, you know, when I was fighting Esmael Marmota, it was in ACB. And I wasn't really prepared for this fight. I I take the fights really easy. I didn't have respect for him. So I didn't train and nothing. And that's why he could bring me down. And I was so tired. And he won by decision because because of wrestling and grappling. And maybe Michelle thought, 
uh, okay, Ismail has a bad bad wrestling and bad bad grappling. I'm gonna take him down and we'll smash him there. But uh, I think he was surprised, you know, about this. And I think I broke I broke him mentally. I would say so too, and and you know to to talk to your point about how much better your wrestling is and grappling is than people realize. They spoke about it a little bit on the broadcast, but can you tell us uh, what sort of your grappling credentials are? What have you done in in the grappling world? Mm, to be honest, I'm just I'm just a hard worker. Um, I have I have no no trainer, no sparring partners, nothing here. You know, I live in a, a really small, a little city of Salzburg. I'm my own trainer. Um, I'm just a hard worker. I, um, I'm really 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 strong and mental, and I oft uh, I do oft tra- often traveling and learn from everybody some uh, some techniques, and I learn every time some new things you know from 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 somebody and yeah i was i was an american top team for example in summer and did a lot of uh grappling with with a good black belt jiu-jitsu guys and i felt really good and that helped helped me you know to to feel good in 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 the ground Mm -hmm. on the ground so so you said you don't have any trainer while you're there you're your own trainer while you're in salzburg how often are you there? You, I mean, you said you tra- travel a lot, but how often are you working by yourself in Salzburg? The most of the time. Wow. <laughs> the most of the time because I, until now, I, I didn't have uh, support, you know, support with money and um, I, ha- I had nothing, you know, and that's why it was too hard to to, to get some good trainers or to get something some good uh, camps or something, you know, it was like, I, I had to, to work always, to train, working, train, working, and borrow some money from uh, from anyone, and then give it to him back, and it was really hard. But now, after my win, uh, yeah, I have now new sponsors and everything, and now it will be much, much, much better. Yeah, I assume there will be tons of people who want to see um, some training with you. Now, I, I wanted to ask you a question too, because they, you know, your nickname is the Austrian Wonder Boy. Is that modeled after Stephen Thompson? Uh, no, um, for to be honest, I didn't, I didn't even know Thompson before. You know, when I when I got this name, um, it was my fight against um, someone from Poland in and in two or two and a half years ago and I saw that in news uh, the Austrian fans they told oh Austrian Wonder Boy will come and and knock him out and something like that I don't know and and then I was thinking about this name and said okay it sounds good I will take the name and yeah now I'm the Austrian Wonder Boy. <laughs> That's I just found it really interesting too because you know he's a, a kickboxer with a you know a, a distance based style sort of like you are. Um, it's it seemed yeah. interesting that it wound up so similar. But that leads me to my final question here because obviously with a win over a guy who was top twenty, very close to being a top fifteen guy, you know, almost mm-hmm. in the UFC rankings, you you went out there and you beat him pretty handily. I, I know you've said you want a top 15 guy, but is there anybody in specific you're looking to fight next? Um, actually, no. Doesn't matter. Just I want just top 15. Doesn't matter who. And and how soon are you looking to get back in there, Ismail? Uh, now I injured a little my hand, my left hand, but it's nothing bad. And uh, just a little bit, I think. I will check it out tomorrow. I will go to the hospital. And we're gonna see. I think, I think June or July, something, something like that. Well, we're certainly looking forward to it. Once again, this was Ishmael Nardiev, who just came off his recent victory over Michelle Prezeris at UFC at Prague this past weekend. Ishmael, thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much as well. Thank you. This is Daniel Gumby, Freeland with Top Turtle MMA on FlowCombat.com. And today I have the pleasure of speaking to Macy Chesson, who fights Gina Mazzani at UFC 235. And that's going to be this weekend coming up. Macy, let's get right into the questions here. You were the first ever featherweight 
women's tough champion. And it seemed like they were going to finally build that division around the people on that show. Did you personally ever have any intentions of fighting at 145 again after that? That's a question that I get all the time in interviews. Um, no, I mean, I, I never I never imagined that I was going to move down to 35 just because I just thought maybe physically I would be able to get there. Um, but, you know, working with the UFC Performance Institute and then my coach, Sayef, at Fortis MMA, I mean, we, we've had such an amazing camp. You know, 12 weeks we started out and, uh, you know, I mean, I'm feeling so good. I'm feeling really strong and faster than ever. And I'm just super lean right now and happy-go-lucky. You know, and uh, maybe eventually in the future, you know, if, if you know, the division is still thriving at 45, we can move up and down. But as of, as of right now, I'm really looking forward to 35. Awesome. And, and so we're about at the time of taping here, about a week away from your weigh-in. And you said you're still feeling happy-go-lucky, which I, I don't hear too many people ever say that close <laughs> to their weigh-in. How, how close are you to making weight at this point? Uh, uh, I'm about... If we're being honest, I'm about 10 pounds out, so uh, which is really good. Mm-hmm. You know, as far you know, some people walk on the scale without having to sweat, but you know, I've always had to sweat out something here or there. But uh, no, I mean, we're we're really close, and uh, I mean, of course, I would love to eat a burger, mm-hmm. you know, or or a pizza. But uh, you know, as far as performance goes, I'm feeling so good, and I've just been feeding my body with with the right nutrients, so, you know, I I just, I feel great, I'm I'm not in a bad mood, and and I'm just, I'm ready to fight, so. Well, you gave us a little hint in there, too, of uh, maybe what you you have for your meal when you're you're done weighing in and maybe done fighting. (laughs) Do do you got something on mind for for what you're going to have first when Um, when that happens? Immediately after the weigh-ins, I'll you know I'm still gonna I'm still gonna stick to real healthy foods, you know fats, carbs, and stuff like that, and greens and good protein. But uh, yeah, definitely after the fight, I'm flying back home to New Orleans for Mardi Gras with my family, and uh, you know I'm looking to eat a few po' boys here and there, and uh, you know reward myself for the for the long-term work I've been putting in. So uh, yeah, there's definitely gonna be be a victory meal in New Orleans for sure. So, so po' boys being probably one of the the staples down there of New Orleans is is uh, on the top of your list. Is there anything else that you're looking forward to? Are you a beignet person? Are you looking <laughs> forward to some king cake while you're down there? Oh yeah, I, I am a beignet person, but it's not my go-to. King cake right now is out, and and that's definitely going to be a dessert for me. That's for sure. All right, well, <laughs> you should certainly look forward to that. Now, I want to go back to talking a little bit about. Uh, the division two that you're leaving because you said you'd go back up if you felt like they kept it healthy or they were able to get it healthy do you feel like that's a possibility do you feel like the UFC is going to do enough to keep that division alive uh maybe so you know I I can't really speak for them and what they have in mind for the division um you know I know they have a lot of 45ers out there and Bellator and, and other organizations so I'm not sure what their plan is for the 45 division but yeah I mean we have 35ers that move up and down all the time. And if, if it's, you know, if the fight's there and, and it's the right fight, then I don't see why, why not, you know? Yeah, that certainly makes a lot of sense. So let's talk about this actual matchup now instead of the all the weight nonsense. Uh, Gina Mazzani has been uh, pretty takedown heavy in her last two fights. She's gone for, you know, like 10 to 12 takedowns in the last two fights combined. She's hit a bunch of them. Are you expecting a ground battle against her? Uh, I'm definitely expecting her to, to, uh, to move in on some wrestling and close the distance. So, uh, it's just not going to be a surprise for us. Um, you know, my camp's been a a very well-rounded camp and, uh, we're, you know, we're, we're ready to take the fight wherever it goes. So. Well, and you certainly seemed like a killer on the ground last time out too. And I was going to ask, do do you mind if she tries to take you down? Is there going to be much of a fight to let it go to the ground if that's where she wants to take it? I don't know. I mean, you know, takedown defenses are good, and uh, I mean, I love taking the back. So back is kind of my thing as far as jujitsu goes. So I really like to utilize and and really, you know, go go off of people's mistakes and and take the back. So uh, our groundwork is is very is very transitional and very fast, and uh, I'm looking forward to wherever it goes. So. That, that sounded like a little bit of an unofficial uh, prediction there. You, you love the back. Are, are we seeing a rear naked choke finish here from, from I don't know. That would be cool. I mean, that's, that's kind of been my go-to lately, you know, the, over the past year. So, 
Um, but I mean, it's it's always there. It's one of the it's one of the top finishes, you know, on the ground with a head and arm choke or rear naked choke. So uh, you know, it's just people are are making those mistakes and giving up their back. So if it's there, it's, it's definitely going to be there. So so we talked a little bit before uh, we officially went on air here about your your coach. Your coach had just called. We've had Saif on the show. We've had one of your teammates, Jeff Neal, on the show a couple of times. And they both have, are absolutely ranting and raving about how great Fortis MMA has been. They talked about what they think has made it so great. What What do you think has made your team boom in such a, a quick way over the last year? You know, I think it's the camaraderie and, and just the uh, the team effort. You know, everyone in there is, is there to grind and help each other out. And it's such... It's such a good environment for athletes, you know, for competitive people. I mean, we go in there and we're ready to go. We're ready to grind. We're we're ready to work hard every single day, you know, and I think that's what really makes us stand out and so different from other gyms. You know, everyone's there to support each other and they just want to see each other win and thrive and, and, and and be great, you know. Well, and when you look at that the roster too, and and there are certainly a ton of killers on there, but oh my gosh, yeah, me looking through that roster right now, there aren't really a lot of fighters your size, right? Like the, most of the yeah. people you're training with, significantly bigger. You got Jeff Neal at at one seventy, you got Kennedy yeah. up at two hundred five, you got some pretty big guys on there. Do you ever feel like you're you're working with people way bigger than you all the time? No, I mean we, there's a lot of guys uh, my size and a little bit smaller um that that I'm always able to partner up with you know one in particular is, is Miles Johns mm-hmm. and he's a current LFA champion right now he uh you know uh state champ wrestler in high school uh amazing wrestler and stand up guy as well uh he's been you know one of my main training partners throughout this whole this whole camp so i mean i couldn't ask for for better training partners you know i'm i'm a, want to say I really lucked out you know I I really did by going to Fortis and and having these amazing athletes to work with and and you mentioned too you know you lucked out going to Fortis what led you to there how how did you make the decision to wind up there so originally uh my manager Mike Hale he is from he's from Texas and uh when I was still living in New Orleans he was telling me he was just ranting and raving he's like you really got to check out Fortis MMA you know, I think you know, I think it'd be a good fit. Um, they have a lot of athletes. There's a lot of people for you, high level people for you to work with. While, you know, out there in Texas, and I was like, okay, I'll you know I'll I'll go and check it out. So I went, you know, there May of last year, right after one of my fights for Invicta, and uh, I went there for two weeks. And um, I mean, I was just I was just so impressed. I just I couldn't believe the amount of talent that I saw in one room. You know at one time and uh and it was just it was just kind of like a game changer for me and Saif walked up to me and he was like hey you know you're you're an athlete he's like I really want you to come here I think we can really go somewhere and you know and and Saif whenever he says something it's, it's gonna get done you know and that's one of my favorite things about him is is knowing that it's gonna be okay you know he says it's gonna be okay it's gonna be okay he says oh we gotta do this yeah, we got to do this, you know? So I, I put all of my trust into him and he says something and I do it because I know it's going to happen, you know? So, uh, so ever since then, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to make the move. I'm going to come out here and I'm, I'm going to join the team. Yeah. He certainly is quite the motivator. And that, that seems to be what I hear time and time again. Now he said something to us on the podcast a couple of weeks ago that he told all of his fighters. So I'm assuming you included that if you don't have a number next to your name by yep. the end of 2019, you failed. So yep. question number one, he he definitely did say that to you. Question number two, what do you need to do to get that done? Just destroy, destroy and kill and, and just move up the rankings, you know, keep, keep my head down and keep moving forward. And, and do you expect to see one? Uh, I mean, obviously, like he said, by the end of the year, but do you expect to see one, you know, after one, two fights? How, how long are we looking before we see Macy with a na- uh, number before her name? Well, I mean, the the 35 division is a lot bigger than 45, you know, and, and I was, if not, I think it was 11 or 10 at 45, just, just after my finale fight. So, you know, I'm definitely by the end of this year, we're, we're looking for, you know, uh, a small number, you know, and I like a close number to, 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 to five, six, you know, maybe four. I don't know. We'll see. 
but uh, I'm ready. I'm ready to, to smash and take names and just keep moving forward. And we're looking forward to seeing it. And we, you guys all at home can see it this weekend. Macy Chason fights Gina Mazzani at UFC 235. Uh, Macy, thank you so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Dan. Each and every single one of those interviews was brought to you by Maroon. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon is the one and only Brazilian jiu-jitsu tracking app. It's social media for you jiu-jitsu heads out there like me and Shockwave Dave. This thing is amazing. So, first of all, you're going to go to Maroon or Maroon Social. You're going to check it out on Google Play. You can check it off on the iTunes Store. Download it to your phone. And what you get is you first start off and you can create a little profile, a little jujitsu profile. Put your name in there, your belt level, your home gym, all the kind of credentials that you want to put in there. You can even weigh yourself. Check that out and put some weight goals in there if you're in there to lose weight. Then, each and every time you go to the gym, you can track what you trained, put notes in there, send them to your friends so that your friends can see them, plus you can comment on your friends and what they're doing if they train at other gyms, or maybe you just missed class. This is the greatest way to track what you're doing, what your friends are doing, and making sure you're still making the progress you want to in jiu-jitsu. So, if you need to be held accountable, and even if you don't need to be held accountable, you just like a nice way to put all of your notes, check out Maroon, M-A-R-U-N-E. I, of course, am Daniel Gumby Freeland, here with my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonti. Dave, let's first start talking about what Dean Thomas said. Where do you want to start? I have so many things to say. Uh, we've been waiting to get Dean Thomas on the show forever. He's one of the greatest minds in MMA today, and I feel like he doesn't even get the props he deserves for that. Uh, the record that he's put together, like, think about this just for a second, Gumby. How much fucking hype went into Greg Jackson? And I'm not taking anything away from Greg Jackson, but they're writing articles about the mad genius of Greg Jackson and this and that and blah, 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 blah. But Din Thomas, I mean, what he's strung together in the past few years at ATT is nothing short of incredible and really matches. You're really talking to me about in that like top five coaches circle. Greg Jackson, Faraz Zahabi. Um, I almost want to put Danaher in there. Just Ray, because Ray Longo. Key, but yeah, Longo. And then Dindama, he needs to be in the conversation at least. So I'm amazed by his record as a coach. I like hearing him. I agree with what he said about Woodley, uh, you know, beating Usman. Uh, I agree with the entire breakdown. I don't know. I'm just I'm, – I'm – Super impressed. Yeah, and I, I think the part that I'm most impressed about what he's done is is none of the things you mentioned, but it's all the things we talked about with Jillian Robertson. Like, he, like, gave you an insight into what Jillian Robertson is like and how, you know, not to insult her, but she's not the most athletic fighter. And look at what he's gotten out of her. She is, like, a crazy yep. submission specialist now with, like, two or three sub wins in the UFC, and it's through working with his brilliant technical mind he's brilliant yeah he is fucking brilliant and not <laughs> enough people are saying it yep. and it annoys me gumby it annoys me so i would like to see this weekend you know this is like one of those things the ufc they know what they're doing when it comes to marketing and what they mention rogan could drop it and it could drop it dc could drop it let's call it what it is he is right now the best coach if not top three best coaches in the fucking game, and not enough people are saying that. I agree, and I, I think the way, too, that he breaks down that Tyron Woodley doesn't have to be exciting to prove he's the best in the world just shows what he knows about the fight game versus what some other coaches know. And that's what people used to say about Jackson fighters, too. Oh, they're yep. point fighters. They're boring, but they're winning. They're winning and all the, the fucking fu time. I like to think this is a sport. 50% of the time. <laughs> so the wins are what matters. I know it's still about entertainment too. All right, enough with that because I could go on and on about the genius of Coach Thomas forever. Let's go to our uh, favorite segment on the show outside of our incredible interviews and, of course, the Combat Countdown and, of course, our UFC breakdown. <laughs> it's our other favorite segment on the show. It's Fastest Fight News, and we deliver the news to you in 15 minutes or less or the podcast is free, 
And really, this week's going to be easy because it's really about one thing. I almost don't want to focus on anything else, Gumby. What a mega fight that was announced that has seismic, cataclysmic, volcanic, nuclear, suicidal, homicidal repercussions. Max Holloway, the 145-pound champion, is going to come up to 155 and fight for the interim LOL 155-pound title against Dustin Poirier. Who saw this coming? I'm going to be honest with you. If you ask me to list the top 10 fights I think could be for an interim title while we waited for Max Ho- or for uh, Habib Nurmagomedov to come back, I'm pretty sure Poirier versus Holloway would have not been in the top three or top 10. It would have been nowhere close to it because you got to imagine all the matchups with Ferguson. All the matchups with Connor, all the matchups uh, with Cowboy. You would have to think of then matchups with Max with all of those guys. By the time you're done matching all of them up and use Poye in a couple of them, there's Max Holloway versus Dustin Poye. Two, by the way, this is a rematch. Two, somewhere around like 12. Um, it's absolutely shocking while at the same time being just really exciting and going to be a fun-ass fight on a card, by the way, that also features Calvin Gastelum versus Israel Adesanya also for an interim title. Yeah, this is taking place, just so everyone's on the same page, uh, Saturday, April 13th at UFC 236. So I I think you bring up a really good point, and it's something we talked about offline, uh, that you have a top four at 155, or excuse me, you have a very clear top three. It's Connor, it's Khabib, the, the past two champions, Khabib being the current champion, beating Connor for that title, and then Tony right there in the who's, mix on a million Who's also a former champion, three. if you count interims. <laughs> nah, stop it right now, you. You stop. Uh, but he is on a million fight win streak. We, of course, have tried to match up Tony with Khabib 13 times, and it hasn't worked. It's a cursed fight, but... You throw in the idea of Max coming up to 155 while 145 kind of simmers a bit because there are a lot of exciting fighters there, but maybe no one that's cleared their way as the top of the pack. Volkanovski, maybe. Uh, you don't want to see an Aldo rematch, but then, of course, you have guys like Zabit and El Pantera and even maybe a little further down the line, Kron Gracie. Yeah, I said it. Uh, but let that kind of sort itself out, and then you get Max with these incredible matchups when you think about it. He was matched up with Habib last year in April for about four days before the Connor Dolly incident. Um, so you have Max versus Habib. Max versus Tony, the two guys who have never-ending cardio and are both on million-fight win streaks, that's freaking exciting. And then Max versus Connor has some history, too, because, of course, Connor beat Max in his second uh, UFC fight ever. So to me, you have these four incredible... Hall of Fame-worthy fighters in Connor, Habib, Tony, and Max. And you can match those guys up for days. We've already seen one matchup in Connor and Habib. And I guess we've really seen two because we saw Connor and Max, but Max wasn't Max yet. So I think everyone's buzzing about those matchups. But then you have the second class at 155 with Cowboy and Poirier and Ally Aquinta. And you could kind of sprinkle them into the mix against any of the top four already mentioned. And you get some exciting fights as well. I guess my point being, we're not getting a top four fight, but we are getting a top four versus a second tier, if that makes sense. So to me, it's still exciting, but it's not as exciting as Max versus uh, Habib or Max versus Tony. And with that all being said, Max versus Habib is impossible because Habib is suspended. He's going into Ramadan as well this summer. And I guess the fight was offered to Tony and he declined it. Yeah, I'm a little surprised he declined it, but I guess I get it when being that he was the interim champion and lost that. Um, but th- that all being said, I mean, like when you look at what Poupoye has beaten recently, he's coming off of back to back to back TKO victories over fucking former champion Anthony Pettis, Justin Gaethje, and former champion Eddie Alvarez. So whether or not we consider him like the top tier, you know, like those those top four or five of them, I think this is going to be an absolute banger. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not mad at it. As Brendan Schaub would say, (laughs) I'll be right there watching it. So now let's, let's go through, let's go through the machinations. Let's get hypothetical. If 
Max wins, he clearly goes and faces Habib in a dream fight in the fall for the real 155-pound title. What would you then do with Poirier off the loss? If Poirier lost to Max Holloway, I think there are a couple of intriguing fights that you could possibly put him in there. I mean, like, Kevin Lee's matched up with Islam Makiev, I believe, and it would be a fun fight to see uh, Kevin Lee rebound from a, a, you know, sort of a bad run and fight him. Uh, Gregor Gillespie, I think, is badly in search of a, a step up. That would be a fun one for him. Th- there's tons That's of options one. there for, for Dustin Poirier, uh, should he lose. But that being said... I think the more interesting story is if he wins. Because if he wins, clearly that sets up the the Habib matchup. Unless you get some other kind of matchup first, right? Like, what happens if Dustin gets hurt? What if Dustin can defend his interim title first? There's a whole lot of things that could go on there. And then I also, I you know, I, I don't mean to be, like, the naysayer of, like, people jumping divisions. But I, I think there's a lot of fun fights left for Max Holloway at 45. And, and that's really what I'd like to see, too. You know, I said after Max beat Brian Ortega that while I have such respect for the 145-pound division, we talk about it all the time, and I have respect for some of those fighters, I still thought from a business perspective, some of them were another fight away Mm -hmm. from being able to challenge. This gives them that time, which I like, and I thought it's a really good thing because Max is on the up here. You know, each one of his pay-per-views, the buy rates keep creeping up and up. And if you match him against the right person, you're going to get to that magical half a million number, which in today's day and age is almost like doing 800,000 back in, you know, 2007. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't think Poirier was that guy. Uh, so that kind of surprises me. And I would be very, I guess, unhappy if we don't end up getting a Max versus a Tony or a Max versus a Habib or a Max versus a Connor with Max now being Max and a rematch. So in the idea that Max loses, I also have to bring up the fact, while it would be sad that we don't get that fight of a Max in a super fight versus one of those top three 155ers, I don't buy that the UFC would run Poirier versus Habib at MSG. Yeah. That coming November. I, I just don't. Make, I think they would make Poirier defend it against Connor or Cowboy or somebody like that first. Yeah, I agree, because I just don't think that's the money fight. In, I think unless, the Tony... That is unless Dustin Poirier came out and absolutely somehow starched Max Holloway and his stock went through the roof and all of a sudden he's this huge marketable face. Because um, like you said, Max Holloway is the kind of guy whose numbers are building incrementally if Dustin comes in and steals all that momentum then maybe but he would have to have done something pretty damn special against Max Holloway all right well we could talk all day about that but we won't we like to keep our podcast moving and quick because we respect our listeners times and know you have busy lives uh we don't like to just ramble and ramble like some other MMA podcasts Mm -hmm. so uh, let's move to our other favorite segment on the show. It's the Combat Countdown. I want to say this Combat Countdown is brought to you by ADK Fightwear. ADK Fightwear makes high-quality fight gear uh, that looks cool. It feels good. Both Gumby and I rep it when we go to jiu-jitsu. Go to ADKFightwear.com, enter in promo code TURTLE, get yourself 10% off. No, scratch that. That can't be right. That's, no. Wait, what am I seeing here? It's 15% off. Okay, go to ADK Fightwear, enter in promo code TURTLE, get yourself 15% off. What? Stop the presses. I'm lying. Enter in promo code TURTLE and get yourself 20% off. This gear is already pretty cost efficient. Add on another 20%. You can thank us later. ADKFightwear.com. You're going to like the way you look. I guarantee it. Gumby, we're doing the top five regional nicknames on this week's Combat Countdown. Why are we doing that? Because last week at UFC Prague, the Austrian Wonder Boy won, as did the Bosnian Bomber. And it got us thinking, those are some great regional nicknames, but what are the top five? So we threw it out to our Twitter, at Top Turtle MMA. We took your feedback. We compiled a list. Gumby, are you ready for this week's Combat Countdown? Absolutely. All right. Uh, this week's Combat Countdown. Uh, top five regional nicknames. Let's Start with number five, 
it's Julian the Cuban Missile Crisis Marquez. Yeah, Julian Marquez has got a sweet nickname being of Cuban descent. Uh, you know, you can think about all the different nicknames you could use with somebody's name, but here he invokes a funny 70s reference or 80s reference. I don't know. I'm not old enough to get the Cuban Missile Crisis. I, I, I'm pretty sure that was the 60s JFK Oof. the Bay of Pigs. Not, not, not a good look for Gumby's history lesson. But that being <laughs> said, uh, Julian Marquez... It's a funny nickname because he's got absolute dynamite in his hands, but on top of that, too, the fact that he invokes it as a crisis makes it a little bit funnier. Uh, we put this one in a poll as sort of the underdeveloped ones, and you guys overwhelmingly picked this one over some pretty good other ones, too. So Julian Marquez had to make the list. You know, we're both fucking assholes because I just looked it up. Now, I'm less of an asshole because I thought it was the early 60s, it actually is in reference to 1959, Oof. which was, yeah, the Bay of Pigs. Although, actually, hold on. I'm having the intern look this up right now because I don't want our MMA fans to be misinformed about history. You know what? No, I'm right. It was 1962. It was the early 1960s. Got confused with the Bay of Pigs. Are there any fighters that use the Bay of Pigs in their nickname? <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. Then we'll stop talking about it right now. Let's move to number four. It's Kamaru Usman. He fights this weekend. He's the Nigerian Nightmare. Yeah, I think the Nigerian Nightmare is a perfect nickname, too. And it's sort of badass in the way that it's got that alliteration. And you'll see the one. Uh, we've got plenty of alliteration coming up, too. I, I like the Nigerian Nightmare because it, it gives you a sense of, like, scariness. And in the way that he fought Rafael Dos Anjos, there was plenty of scariness. Yeah, it's one of those nicknames that really fucking fits the fighter. Mm -hmm. Speaking of really fits the fighter, he probably doesn't find a lot of things that fit him because he's a big guy, but God, does he have a great nickname. It's the Super Samoan and friend of the show, Mark Hunt. Yeah, I don't think you can have a, a list like this and not mention Mark Hunt. I almost completely forgot his nickname uh, because it... it probably doesn't get used as often as it should and i think otherwise it would be in the top two because you know we we've talked before about how our countdowns always have like a tier where it sort of switches over from being like good nicknames or good fighters or good to like the really supreme ones and i think one and two are really supreme ones and the only one separating mark hunt from that is people don't call him the super samoan all that often but it is a sweet nickname he's one of the very few samoan fighters you see and let's talk about that that power right hand it is fucking super yeah absolutely uh so gumby i'm gonna flip this up on us because, you know, we went back and forth in the Top Turtle Studios over this, and we I redid some calculations here, so you might be surprised to find <laughs> out that number two, number two, is Chan Sung Jung, the Korean zombie. Yeah, I wanted this one number one, but I can see why you moved it to number two. Uh, I think it is probably the most fitting name in the True. history of nicknames, because, like, let, let's talk about the fight with with Leonard Garcia, the first fight with Leonard Garcia. The dude is a straight zombie. I mean, like, it, he got knocked out by Yair Rodriguez with one second left, but it took an absolute bomb on a Hail Mary of a backwards elbow in order to knock him out, and he's really only been knocked out twice. That one in a, a small-known WEC knockout to George Roop. Uh, but that being said, he has taken some absolute punishment in the cage, and the dude just keeps moving. Uh, and so much so that people just call him the Korean zombie now, which is why I put this one in front of uh, the Super Samoan, even though Mark Hunt's a little bit more famous. People know who you're talking about when you say Korean zombie. Some people don't know what you're talking about when you say Chan Sung Jung, which is his actual name. So the fact that people just call him his nickname bumps this one up a little higher. And this is why, and it leads perfectly into who number one is, mm. why number one is number one. It's, of course, Mirko Krokop. Because I think if you polled, you know, ten fans of the UFC from the Ronda Connor era, who have maybe just heard of the legend of Krokop, you know, left kick hospital, right leg cemetery or whatever the fuck it was and his days in pride and his limited run in the UFC. I think most people, I truly believe this, think 
that this man's last name is Krokop. Yeah. <laughs> when in fact, his fucking last name is Filipovich. 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 Your regular Croatian, you know, surname, basically like their version of Smith probably, but his fucking nickname is fucking Krokop because he was a Croatian cop. Yeah. That's mind-blowing. And, and they just shortened it down. Croatian and, cop. Crow cop. And not only just a Croatian cop, too. He is like the Croatian special police special forces tactical unit. The dude is like part of their anti-terrorist cop group. Uh, so, like, he is like a super high-level cop in addition to being a badass fighter. And you're 100% right. Nobody knows that his last name is Flipovic, which is just like a standard-sounding Croatian last name. Mirko Flipovic, almost unheard of in the MMA world. Mirko Krokop, what everybody knows him by. Exactly. So, I love this list. This was really fun. And there were a ton of good nicknames. What were some of our... Give our listeners a peek into what some of the nicknames that didn't make the cut are honorable mentions. Yeah, I, I, there was a couple that people used that were uh, United States-based. They were state individual state-based, like the California Kid. I almost completely forgot about being a regional nickname. Um, you could have also used the Quebec Kid for um, uh, Olivier Aubon-Mercier. I love, and this is me being a sucker for like, you know, like middling level 185ers and 205ers. But I love the Polish experiment, Krzysztof Soszynski, and uh, the Filipino wrecking machine, Mark Munoz. Those were two of my absolute <laughs> favorites of all time. Yeah, same here. Filipino wrecking machine is incredible. Also, just call me partial, old school guy, New York badass Phil Baroni. Come oh, on. Yeah. The New York City badass um, is such a good one. <laughs> So let's just re- recap this. You have the Cuban Missile Crisis, the Nigerian Nightmare, the Super Samoan, the Korean Zombie, and Mirko Crow Cop, short for Croatian Cop. Let us know what we fucked up. Let us know what you loved on this list. At Top Turtle MMA is the Twitter. Gumby, let's move on to our other favorite segment on the show. It's the UFC Breakdown, in this case, UFC 235, which is really UFC 234, but that's another story for another day. Gumby, who brings us this uh, UFC breakdown? Well, of course, this UFC 235 breakdown is brought to you by Sheath Underwear. Listen, guys, you've had the same kind of underwear that you've been working out in for a long time. And you're either one of two camps. You're a boxer's guy or you're a briefs guy. If you are a boxer's guy, I'm first going to tell you you're a sociopath. Don't be working out in boxers. Things are going to be flopping all over the place, especially if you do jujitsu. If you're doing jujitsu in boxers, you're crazy. Now, you might train in briefs, but if you train in briefs, odds are you're in a situation where it's crushing your, your twig and berries, your, your cash and prizes, so to speak, and it's not a comfortable position. You wind up leaving camp with stuff stuck to your leg, and you're not comfy in any way. What if I told you you could have the support of briefs, however, the, the freedom of boxers, and you can do that with Sheath Underwear. Go to sheathunderwear.com. Make sure you use promo code FLOW for an extra 20% off your whole order. And you're going to check out an underwear that has an innovative front pocket that promotes airflow to your guys downstairs. I'm not kidding. This will change the way you train. Check out sheathunderwear.com. And, of course, I'm going to give you a three-fight breakdown. We're going to take a look at the two title fights and my favorite other fight from the night. I'm going to start by talking about John Jones. John Jones is a negative 900 favorite over Anthony Smith. I am no way embedding the John Jones line because that's an absurd line. You're not getting much return for your money. But I'm still picking him to win here over Anthony Smith. He's got so many tools. And when you look at how Anthony Smith wins, it's the big shot. And who has landed a big shot on John Jones ever? So I'm going with John Jones. In the co-main event, you heard Dean Thomas earlier on the show. I'm taking Tyrone Woodley here against Kamara Usman. Tyrone Woodley, a negative 175 favorite, which is pretty low at this point in time. You can get him, you know, he's betting right around 2-1 to one almost, or 1-2 to two rather. Um, so, you know, you're putting twice as much money down as you're getting back. But Woodley's a huge value there. And as Dean said, he might be a threat to finish Kamara Usman. So I, I like Tyrone Woodley in this fight, especially because, you know, I don't think Usman's going to wrestle him up. I don't think he's going to outstrike him. Uh, and then the third fight I'm going to talk about, I like Ben Askren over Robbie Lawler. While I really like Robbie Lawler, I think some of his best days are behind him. The Rory Mack fight took a whole lot out of him. 
And I think Ben Askren's grappling is just enough to get Lawler to the ground repeatedly and win rounds. I think this is a decision fight, but Askren at negative 270 is still my pick. So, my three picks for the night. John Jones over Anthony Smith. Tyrone Woodley over Kamara Usman. And... Ben Askren over Robbie Lawler. And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We thank you guys so much for tuning into this jam-packed episode. We also want to thank our sponsors, ADK Fightwear, Maroon Social, Sheath Underwear, and Sisu Mouthguards. I personally want to thank Flow Combat for having me on each and every week. We could not do it without them. And I want to remind you guys at home to follow us on Twitter at Top Turtle MMA. We have an awesome giveaway going on for this card. Check it out. Sponsored by our great sponsor. So Top Turtle MMA on Twitter. I am Daniel Gumby Vreeland. He was Shockwave Dave Tremonte. And we will see you next week. <laughs>